Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of The Surplus Population, a podcast where we come up with unique ways of looking at the world. I'm Thomas Long, and I host the show along with my co-host, Jane Simone Hawkins. The show format is an hour-long conversation on a topic we do research on beforehand, and I want it to basically be the opposite of those five-minute interviews you hear of political candidates. You know, the ones where they're just trying to dodge questions or let time run out or get back to their talking points. We don't say slogans. We don't use shorthand. We state ideas that we can defend through an hour of scrutiny, which is what we'll be putting each other through. Our first episode is about what we can know, and there were a few recording problems that make it sound like I'm in a submarine every time we're talking at the same time, but we're really happy with how the conversation came out. So enjoy and hang out at the end of the show for show notes. Hey, Simone. How are you doing? Hi, Thomas. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Good to hear. So did did you hear about the most recent Nobel Prize in physics? No. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it, it was awarded for discovering that neutrinos have mass. I'm not sure if you're familiar with What the with hell neutrinos. did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> the neutrinos are these tiny subatomic particles that are created in, yeah, they're created in stars and nu- other nuclear reactions. And they shoot through the universe. And yeah, so they're, they're going through the whole planet at all times. And Thomas, uh, none of that a- means anything to me. <laughs> well, how about, how about this? There's about 100 trillion neutrinos passing through your body every second. Okay, what do you mean passing through? Like They're going through, like they're shooting through your body right now. The way that light goes through glass or something? Yes, exactly like that. That is a perfect analogy. Like, yeah. like the way radiation goes through it? Are they waves or are they particles? That, that's a good question. I mean, it, it, technically everything in quantum mechanics is particle and wave, but it's definitely more particle than, it's more particle-y than wavy. And there's about 100 trillion passing through you right now. And you might be... That's at, the kind uh, of language that I need. More particle than wavy, yes. okay? Yeah. That's the level yeah. of understanding that. By the okay. way, <laughs> listeners, I would like you to know that this is a raw podcast. I have no idea what Tom is talking about. <laughs> I think that's the best Airbag way to do it. For the first time, uh, I was excited and nervous. Yes, yes, good. good. Uh, so yeah, it was awarded to these two guys, Kajita and McDonald, and they found that neutrinos have mass. And I'll, I'll go into that in a second, I guess. The, the main thing is, you might be wondering why these subatomic particles that are passing through us all the time, they're passing through the planet, why have we never heard of these when we've heard of electrons, protons, neutrons? We, we hear of all these other particles. And uh, are you wondering that right now? <laughs> why these things that are going through your body right now you've never heard of? Uh, well, I guess I, I'm thinking more along the lines of like, why do we give a shit about these things? Like, do they do well, anything? That, that's a good question. That, and that's my main point. They are passing through your body but the reason that so many can go through without seeming effect on you is because they have almost no interaction with our bodies at all neil degrasse tyson has a really good clip he talks about how they can pass through i I believe it's a hundred light years of steel before they have any interaction with pretty much any of the particles in there what that doesn't make sense doesn't the fact that it passes through something solid like my body mean that it interacts with it how did i don't know yeah, yeah. Uh, well, radiation can also go through you in similar ways. Oh, does our well, body yeah, absorb that... any of these things? What are they called again? No, no, it just passes right through. And, and that, the reason is because they have almost no mass. They have almost no interaction with the electromagnetic force. Like it, you can probably tell from, you might be able to tell from their name that neutrino means tiny neutral thing, right? Oh, like yeah, a... of course I realized that. <laughs> so a, a, nu- a neutron, like proton, neutron, electron, right? N- neutrons are 
electrically neutral, right? Sure. So uh, neutrons don't also don't have any in- interaction with the electromagnetic force, which is one of the four fun- fundamental forces that things can interact with. If something doesn't interact with any of these forces, then it basically has no interaction with anything, and it, it doesn't do anything, pretty, pretty much. Why does it exist at all, then? Well, it does have... A, it. Okay, so I'll, I'll go over the different forces. It, 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 the four forces are electromagnetic, gravity, strong nuclear force, and weak nuclear force. So it doesn't have any interaction with the electromagnetic force. It has a, a slight interaction with the gravitational force, it, and it also has an interaction with the weak nuclear force, I believe. I, I don't think it has... I'm not sure about this interaction with strong nuclear force. But the, the main point being that it doesn't interact with forces that we're used to or that we commonly encounter. But it does have a slight interaction with these other forces. And to detect them, you need to go un- deep underground. You need to go about a mile underground, I believe, uh, was how deep the, the Neil deGrasse Tyson video shows. Like, it might be like half a mile underground and use this huge pool of water and then have detectors everywhere and you might detect a, you know, a few blips every once in a while how could we possibly detect this like is it something that we looked for or is it something that we stumbled upon like i don't even understand how you find something like this simone that is the question of the day how can we know these things even exist how can we be sure that something that has almost has no interaction with anything at all how, how can we say that that exist when particularly me in particular i make many claims that other things don't exist because i can't observe them right sure i'm talking about oh this the whole concept of of this thing makes me feel very uncomfortable like the fact that it's passing through me right i feel like a cheesecloth like i don't feel like a person when you say that like i don't i'm like i'm straining a star like what (laughs) are you kidding i don't See, I don't even know how to process this. Maybe we'll go into them a, a bit more today. Today, I want to go into the difference of why believe in this and not, say, other supernatural things that seem to also have almost no evidence for their existence. Neutrinos have almost no, no evidence for their, their existence, right? I, I don't know. You tell me. I, I mean, so I, they not? got a Nobel Prize. They got a Nobel Prize for it. So I guess, you know, they figured something out. Well, that's today's episode. Hmm. Great. Neutrinos versus God. <laughs> <laughs> okay yes. great hey Simone have you seen this movie this trope that that appears in movies and tv shows where there'll be a su- it'll be some supernatural movie and some people believe in the supernatural thing that's happening and they believe it with, the, with their whole heart and some people aren't sure if this supernatural thing's real and other people are kind of sure it's not real but that there's there's always one guy usually a guy and, and he'll he'll say this does definitely not exist. This goes against science. Or and science. then he dies. He always dies. <laughs> you saw my punchline, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The this guy always dies in the movies, and yeah, there's a guy in in the mist. I don't. Know. Did you ever see that movie? The mist. Oh, of course. I lo- I I loved the super religious woman who gets her head blown off. Yeah, you're spoiling the movie for fans, but if we're gonna be spoiling that movie, there, there's also the guy who gets tied on a rope and he walks out and he. He's like, there's definitely nothing in the mist. And he just walks out and he, he gets, like, ripped in half. <laughs> like the yeah. worm on so the end of the fishing rod. Dumbass. Yeah, or I, forget how, I forget how far you gotten lost, but there's a scene when the island just disappears. Yeah, that's as far as I got. I, once the island disappeared, I stopped watching. I was like, this is too much. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> but but Jack sees the island disappear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you remember what he says? He says something along the lines of, no, that didn't happen, right? I don't know. Yeah. I this is yeah, me yeah. with TV shows. I pretty much forget it as soon as I see it. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's what he says. Okay, yeah, he, he just says that didn't happen. And even though he saw it disappear, he just denies that it disappeared. Uh, like, kind of this, the same idea, you know, the, or, um. To believe it, so he said he didn't see it. Yes, yes. And uh, the, you know, the final example might be Brian from Family Guy. He, he's an atheist, right? Yeah. Staunch. But, but they had Jesus for dinner one time. Like, they've, they've met Jesus and they've met God. So, like, how is he an atheist? Yeah. So my, my main point being that, you know, in media, we often see this portrayal of people who don't believe something as being like dogmatically against believing in supernatural things. And I, I just want to describe that, that that's not the kind of agnosticism that I'm talking about as towards supernatural things. Like if, saying that you don't believe in certain things isn't this kind of, you know, I'm not categorically against believing in these things as long as there is enough evidence for them. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So I, I want to go over the different areas of things that one might believe about the universe and the different levels of evidence that you might need for believing in each of these different categories. Does that make sense? Sure. So we'll start with the thing that needs basically no evidence to believe in its existence, and that's first-person experience. So Rene Descartes, he was a philosopher. He he has that famous saying. Do you know it? Uh, I'll let you say it, and then I'll pretend that I knew exactly (laughs) what you were talking about. (laughs) Okay, he said, "I think, therefore, I am." Ah, oh, everybody knows that, Tom. Yes, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. So he he had that famous saying, and what he was trying to get to with that is that in the 1600s he reflected on all of his beliefs and he tried to strip away every belief that he has about the world that could possibly be false. And the only belief he was left with in in the end is that his subjective experience. So the only thing that he knows is that he is experiencing something right now. So at any given moment, he knows that he is experiencing something and he doesn't need, there's no uncertainty about that particular belief. Does that make sense? Well, so I yeah, count, well, I guess I'm not countering. Adding to that, mm-hmm. well, so what about people who say that they experience, I don't know, God firsthand, like in prayer or something, or like they see a ghost firsthand? Mm-hmm. Like, so well, you're saying yeah. that like, is this, uh, this, I guess what I'm trying to, I don't know how to put this into words, but like, mm-hmm. how can I believe the firsthand experience of someone else? Well, the first, you can believe the firsthand experience of someone else, definitely if they're reporting it to you, depending on what the claim is and how reliable they are and a few other factors. But the firsthand experience of someone else is not your first person experience. So that goes outside of this, this most basic level, you know, this, this first category that I, that I'm just first category is like individual, like it pertains only to you yourself. It's individual. And it's even more limited than a lot of people are aware of on first blush, just to talk about where people might get a little confused about what I'm saying, we can not deny. Uh, First of all, I'm, I'm not saying that because you see a cat, say, that doesn't mean that there is a cat there. It just means that you're experiencing witnessing a cat. But I, I saw a cat, the... Thomas. The cat was there. Well, we'll get into the uh, temporal experience also in a second. But for, first, I want to say that if you see your computer or the microphone in front of you, you know that you're experiencing the microphone if you're only taking your first person experiences as, as the, the truth. But you don't know that there is a microphone there because the object microphone has a lot of additional properties you could be hallucinating the microphone that there's a non-zero probability that you're hallucinating the microphone or that you're actually plugged plugged into the matrix or this is all a simulation that you're plugged Tom, into. this is getting too heavy i already have a headache okay continue Just... I, I don't... all right oh okay. 
wait, I don't know how to continue. You constructed my entire existence and said it may or may not be real. Okay, but I'm this about is what to, happens whenever well, we talk. I'm about to go deeper, though. I don't know if you're ready. Let for me it. prepare myself for a moment. Okay, hold on. Okay, go. Okay, so in addition to that, that kind of infinite skepticism, you, you know, no one in who's plugged into the Matrix was actually experiencing anything that they experienced throughout the entirety of their life, right? Sure. Yeah. So they, well, they, well, they were experiencing something, but they weren't experiencing a reality, and so there's a non-zero probability that we are in a similar situation. Like we could be in the matrix or we could be dreaming up all of our experiences that are going on right now or, or for our entire lives or everything could have just come into existence three seconds ago and we weren't aware of it. But, um... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You okay, Simone? I'm fine. Because uh, I'm about to go deeper. I don't know if... <sighs> keep going, keep going. I'll just keep, you know, making my sounds to cope. Okay. The next component of how limited... This undeniable, these undeniable truths are that the just like first person experience perspective is we can't even trust our memories, really. So we can't trust them with absolute certainty, at least. We, we see like a lot of psychological experience, experiments with this recently where they go into that first person accounts of a, a crime, say, it aren't, aren't nearly as reliable as we would like them to be. They're, they're actually one of the like least reliable forms of evidence when, when you go into percentages but even more than that there's a non-zero probability that the memories were implanted in us so what you're remembering like one second ago you can't reliably trust with an infinite certainty that is outside of this claim that doesn't that this I, like d doesn't this like devalue like the entire human experience like the entire yes. human history like it could all just be yes. nothing yes no definitely yeah <laughs> no, so yes, I, I'm just saying. All that I'm saying is that there's a non-zero probability. Am I alive that, at all? Ugh. Well, you know, you're aware right now, so you definitely know that you're, you're aware of something. And if you want to call that alive, then you can call that alive. See, this is why I like these conversations. Okay, as much as these conversations give me a bloody headache, mm-hmm. I like them because I feel like I'm starting to get an understanding. Like the more I groan about what I'm listening to, the more I understand it. And I don't know, I feel like, you know, when people say they have like a spiritual epiphany, or they found God or something, I feel like what they're experiencing is just that they are reaching a slightly higher understanding of their existence. And I feel like I just had one of those moments. Oh, okay. You're saying I'm God. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my, my main my main point with this, I, I think it's good to explore initially with, with a lot of people. A lot of people have this discussion in college. I, that, that's where I, I first experienced a lot of these ideas. And maybe a little before that, but really digging down deep into what we can actually know. It was definitely college giving me the, the, a lot of these experiences. But my, my, my main point going here is that no one stays in this infinitely skeptical state where they only trust their momentary moment to moment first person experience nietzsche has some quote about this that we would be stumbling around if we didn't trust anything about our senses we need you know we need to we need to eat in the end and we need we need to know that there's a floor beneath us and we we need to like trust that there's other people that we can talk with and communicate with so no one stays in in this state even though many philosophers have tried no one's ever pulled philosophy out of the fact that there's a non-zero probability that any of our I was I was there are... for like one second and that was enough for me. Like I I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I probably probably yeah, supposedly... go back there in my yeah. entire life and it's <laughs> fine. 
It's fine. I know. It gets, I it gets really annoying. spiritual experience and it's over. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, it gets really annoying talking with people who, who like constantly deconstruct down to this primal state because it's like, it's hard to argue against because it's like, yeah, there's a non-zero probability that we are just... Have you ever um, had a honest. conversation with yourself, Thomas? What do you mean? Never mind. Keep going. Okay. And Anyway, th- I mean, there is this probably apocryphal story of, of Pyrrho, who's this Greek philosopher, and he, he supposedly was so skeptical that he would he wouldn't even believe that there were carts moving down the street or that there were cliffs in front of him. So all his followers would like direct him away from walking off of a cliff. He supposedly died walking off of a cliff because he didn't believe it was there. Well, he's a fucking idiot. Or he was, because he's dead. Um, or maybe... Maybe I just made up that story, you know. Oh, <laughs> I hate you. No, I, I'm just kidding. I didn't make up that story, but or or did I? You know, you, what can we know? What is? <sighs> yeah. So, uh, my my main point being though that no one stays in this infinitely skeptical category. I mean, what I want to get to is what are the fundamental beliefs that we basically all agree on? Because that, that's all we can start to talk about. We, we can't talk about things that we have to agree on. But if we all have fundamental values that we agree on that's where we can start to build up our belief systems if if i'm making sense i would say that we definitely all believe that we have some relationship with the real world that's out there so we can um have empirical evidence for things not contingent on our own experiences would you agree with that yes yeah yeah i'm not i'm not trying to trick you i don't don't know i've (laughs) never seen a narwhal but i know they exist Yes, yeah. And, and uh, you know, e- even just saying that we can see our computer or, or a mouse and that we know we know if we move our hand, we'll be able to touch it and it, it will be an object is it's a non-trivial thing in, in philosophy, <laughs> interestingly enough. So all of these objects that we're talking about, there's these two categories of, of objects we, we can talk about. And what one would be concrete objects, things that we know if we move into them, we can touch them and or experience them, or taste them, or smell them, or infer them from particular situations that they're in. So do you think of some objects that you're experiencing right now that you you would call like a concrete object? You you know, it's like, it's not contingent on your own sensory experience. Wait, you mean something that I'm feeling? Yeah, something that you, you believe in that is not, you're not directly experiencing. Oh, okay. Hmm. The sun definitely yeah 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 you aren't even seeing that right now so you're not experiencing that with any of your senses right now but you de- you believe it with you know as high of certainty as much as pretty much anything else we can make claims about in in, in our experience right there's right? no way the sun is not there right now right right and those words there's no way it's not there or i believe with 100% certainty that that's just shorthand that we use to say with all my heart yeah, yeah, and all my brain uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's that's kind of a shorthand. Technically, like I was just saying, it's not 100% certainty, but it's kind of this baseline certainty that we're, we talk about when we talk about things that are, are so certain. It's as certain as we can get with any of our claims, right? Sure, yes. Because like I was saying, it could we could be imagining the sun throughout our, the entirety of our, our lives, right? But okay, we just what say about, so. What about um, things like, well, never mind. I, I was going to say like sound waves, but if we hear them, would, would they still be a concrete object? Yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, our, um, hey, I might get into that. It might get a little fuzzy, but, you know, it, things that we can experience. What about things that we can maybe not experience, like, with our senses, but we can measure, like, radiation? That would still be 
that yeah that that would still be a concrete object yeah yeah so neutrinos fall into this category they're they're beliefs about concrete objects it's just we need to look at the evidence to them we can't experience them directly from our senses or we don't feel well we do experience them from our senses and empirical evidence just like most other objects it's just they're, they're more away from our direct senses so you were talking about people saying that they experience god or you know a spirit or a ghost or something along those lines and those have uh, although a lot of people kind of play fast and loose and they say well religion or spiritual experience they're not science they're not making scientific claims right have you heard people say this uh sure i guess yeah they'll say well god isn't a scientific claim or i saw a ghost you can't that was an experience i had that that's not a scientific claim that's not a a, a an empirical claim it, it's like a religious claim have you ever heard people make this separation i guess i mean oh, okay. maybe i'm not exactly sure yeah. what you're saying well, well, I, I think mainly people use this when they'll make a claim about their spiritual life or their spiritual beliefs, and then they don't want it tested against evidence. Oh, okay, yeah. Maybe I'm just like a lot closer with this question, and I'm not used to. Yeah, like Go somebody ahead. sees a ghost and they don't care if you want to catch it on camera or something. That that is that is like an interesting thing. Uh, my main point was just that when someone says they experienced God or they had an experience with the God and that that's enough to believe in God or a, a ghost, you know, or they had an experience. Faith. Faith's a little different because they're claiming that they had a direct experience with it, right? Oh, okay. Right. But uh, taking the, the ghost as an example, when someone experiences a ghost, has first-hand experience with the ghost, what are we talking about? We're talking about when they're making the claim, they're, they're almost certainly talking about a memory that they had with the ghost. So we need to look at how much evidence the memory has for the claim that they're making about the ghost. And, th- and then we need to measure it against all the other beliefs we have about everything else and how it weigh- weighs in and fits into that worldview that we have of the experiences that we have with everything else, right? Because mm-hmm. you were talking about what what does someone mean when they experience God or a ghost or, or whatnot, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so I, I just wanted to point out that the, these are claims about concrete things. If there are claims about things that we can interact with and we can have experience with, then these are these aren't outside of the scientific or empirical worldview. Like if if there is a ghost or there is a god, then there is experiences that we can have with those things, and th- the experiences that we can have will either support or if those experiences don't exist, then they will refute the existence of these things, depending on what claims we make about them. Right? I guess. <laughs> so, I, I, guess, uh, I guess the next question would be, do I believe in any non-physical things or non-objects, right? Uh, give me an example. Well, so our next category is these non-physical objects, which I definitely believe in. Do you believe in non-physical objects, Simone? Non-physical entities? Uh... Like the Easter Bunny? <laughs> the Easter Bunny is a definitely a physical object, isn't it? It hides eggs. Or it's a, it's a possible physical object. It definitely doesn't exist, according to empirical evidence. But Just an idea, the Easter Bunny? Uh, somewhat. I mean, it, it, it could exist, right? No. Why not? There's no way an Easter Bunny exists. Why couldn't... No, I'm saying it, there's, nothing, there's nothing logically inconsistent about an Easter Bunny existing. So I'm being intentionally ambiguous about these non-physical entities how about how about i paint you a picture simone okay thank you thank you mr artiste imagine we're playing chess Mm -hmm. and we have the game set up right in front of us 
We're playing at the park on a sunny day right by the water. How does that sound? White or black? I think that's a racist question. But... <laughs> <laughs> Am I the white pieces or the black pieces? You're the you're the black pieces, and you you're you're two moves away from a checkmate. You're pretty smart. Ooh, yes, I. I decide, or let's say I, you know, I finally figured out that chess is a stupid game, and I throw the whole board into the ocean. It's just like you. Wait, where'd the ocean come from? I said we're by the water. Oh, okay. So, luckily for you, you just took a picture and you tweeted out to all your friends how how close you are to a victory against me in chess. Mm-hmm. Pretty smart, right? Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know how far ahead you think with all these things, but you happen to have a whole other board in your backpack. <laughs> I'm always prepared. You, you take out the, the whole other board you have, and you set up the game fr- from the pitcher. You copy the, the game from the pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. And then what what do you say? You say, let's continue, right? Sure. But then I say, that's not our game. I threw our game into the ocean. That's not the same game that we were just playing. What do you say? Uh, it's the essence of the game, Thomas. It, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> have you been reading my notes, Simone? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, there, there is this component not bound in any physical object of the game. So there, th- this happens with games. There, there are points associated with games or that there are all these non-physical objects associated with many different things. So these will, these are known as abstract objects or what I was calling earlier non-physical objects, which I definitely believe in. I definitely believe there are these non-physical objects and these might not even require require basically any evidence for their existence, which is an interesting note about itself. But if you're talking about this abstract object of, say, a book, if you talk about the abstract object of Dante's Inferno, the book, that that, that doesn't need to exist in any particular state at any particular time. It's just a book that could be written. Okay, I think I get that. Like when people talk about the Bible, it, it's not like there's not the Bible. It's just the idea of of the bible and what that means exactly yeah yeah okay look at me understanding things yeah yeah and that's different from the physical objects or the concrete object of a particular bible at a particular time or a particular edition of dante's inferno that that someone has at a particular time yeah so these abstract objects they're interesting in themselves but i I just wanted to bring them up as these non-physical entities that we would also say exist in the stanford encyclopedia of philosophy often divides and one of its key divisions between objects that we believe in are, are there are these concrete physical entities and then there are these abstract objects which are it, it's just a good way to separate things as i was saying neutrinos definitely fall into the concrete object spectrum that's where we start to discuss um when do we have enough evidence to believe in a concrete object is that a question for me yeah. to answer yes yeah. because I think you're setting me up for failure. <laughs> no, I, have I, I have I ever done that? So I have to use my brain. Oh, okay. okay. Um, hold on. I mean, I guess if it's if we can measure it in some way somehow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Looking for evidence of an, a concrete object in some way definitely gives us insight into what kind of objects we had justification for believing in. So we want to know that we have enough evidence for something if we are going to and I guess that's not universally accepted by philosophers or scientists or, or whatnot but I would say I'm interested in any listeners sending in alternative ideas about alternative ways of knowing or yeah or, or whatnot 
I'm just going to end all of my sentences with a question in case I'm wrong. Okay, that, that sounds like a very smart way to go about things. <laughs> so I want to end the discussion propositions about the kinds of beliefs that, that are incorrect. So the kinds of beliefs that we believe without proper justification. And I think a lot of those beliefs, those incorrect beliefs happen when we miscategorize what we're talking about. So if you, so reviewing, reviewing this episode, I, I went over first person experiences that we can have, and I went over concrete objects or things that we believe with, with a certain amount of evidence, and then abstract objects that we believe without evidence, that we don't need evidence to believe in these abstract things because, or not necessarily, I, I, I think it's a little more complicated than that, but let's just say we don't need evidence to believe in these abstract things. So when people discuss what they have proper evidence for from their life experience, they need to be very particular about where they are in these categories. So when someone says that they have an experience with hearing voices or experiencing ghosts or you know something along those lines, you need to realize that it's also probable that you have those experiences by just differing brain states or and it's not necessarily evidence for the objects that you seem to be experiencing that it's not evidence for those objects directly. So one person who wrote about this recently is Evan Alexander, and he wrote this book, Proof of Heaven, colon, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife. And he has this quote, there is no scientific explanation for the fact that my whole, while my whole body lay in a coma, my mind, my consciousness, my inner self was well, well and alive. Well, I mean, there's plenty of scientific explanations for what he went through. And j- just saying that you had this certain experience doesn't mean that you actually went into this other world. Yeah, this is reminding me of my therapist who may <laughs> not be my therapist for very much longer because oh, no. she <laughs> suggested that I do a past life regression where <laughs> she hypnotizes me and then I dig down deep into my soul and retrieve memories from my past life. That's a great example. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I definitely agree. Like the to the tune of one hundred and ten dollars per hour, which is not covered by insurance. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, I think I'm I, gonna I, look I... for a new therapist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well I, I definitely applaud you for not being taken in by that it's very easy to get taken in by it especially if you don't it's something that i find really interesting and it's something that i i would do just for the hell of it Mm -hmm. but i'm not going to pay 110 dollars an hour for sure yeah Uh uh-huh and i've become a lot more sympathetic to people who don't believe everything i exactly believe so i understand why people would be be inclined to believe in past lives or these other spiritual experiences when she was talking about it she actually brought up the the part where she said some people when they get these memories they just believe that they made it all up or that it was just um an impression from like a movie or something but it's not that's all she said but it's not (laughs) but it's not that's gonna be my excuse for everything but it's not yeah 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 Yeah. uh it's like what evidence does she have for saying that it's not and it's yeah, it's probably not terribly impressive the evidence that she offers for it. Uh, I mean, and I, I think we could, like, I think we could all think of good evidence for, say, past lives, and it would just be having information that you know would be impossible to come by otherwise, or yeah, or being able to track people at, after they die and being able to find out what next body they're in, having a certain bit of information that was 
tracked throughout that life. But absent that evidence, we, there's no reason to believe that we have these past lives. Yeah. And there's plenty of reason to believe that people just, there's plenty of alternative explanations for why people have these beliefs. Like, the, first of all, we don't want to believe that we die. So I, mean, I, I would say that's the main one. And But also just thinking that if you don't want to die, then you don't want other people to die. And it's hard to imagine your consciousness just blinking out forever. I guess it's so, easier to believe that our physical bodies die, but we don't actually die. <laughs> I yeah, guess that's yeah. how people deal with death. I don't know. Maybe that'll be me one day when I actually come to terms with my mortality. I don't know if I've done that yet. I don't yeah, know anything. I, I know yeah, I, I agree. nothing, especially when I talk with you. Well, that's the end of our podcast. In the conclusion, Simone knows nothing. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I was just saying that, uh, you know, th- these claims of past lives, like, I, I don't deny that people have these experiences and that e- even, I, I'm not saying that she's a charlatan or anything. I, I'm just saying that the, the experiences that she had or that her patients have don't necessarily reflect them actually having lived past past lives it's really hard to nail down the well when people make these claims they you know it's amorous and it's non-repeatable and they they don't give a lot of reasoning for why they believe them other than things that could be explained in many other naturalistic ways yeah yeah that, that was my main one just just to be just to be wary of what we're talking about when even if someone has a first person experience that's not something that's undeniable and even if you have a first-person experience, that's not something that's undeniable uh, about reality. Or people about lie, and we lie to ourselves. No, Simone, you're missing it. It lies are lies are intentionally intentional intentional untruths. I'm talking about unintentional untruths. I I don't I don't believe that most of the untruths that people tell are lies. I I think that they're just most untruths are just untruths. They 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 aren't intentional, right? Or I don't know what you think. I don't know. I don't know. I think people lie a lot more than we think that they don't. Yeah. I I, I just know so many different ways. And I think we'll go into this in, in another episode. I think we'll wrap up pretty soon. Just that there are so many cognitive biases and co- so many reasons why people are incorrect about their reasoning that I, I don't think lying needs to come in a lot of the time. Oh, what's that old saying? That don't attribute to malice what, what you can explain by ignorance. Just most people are, you know, are just wrong. Yeah. Whatever. Everyone lies. Everyone yeah, is I didn't a liar. I, every, everyone definitely does lie. But I, I think the majority of untruths that are told are about just ignorance. You know, that like people just don't know that they're, they are telling you something. Okay. Yeah, I'll accept that. Okay. So looks like we agree on something this. So thanks for listening. Wait, it's wrong. over? What, what the hell did I even learn? Are we going to have to listen to this over again just to understand what the hell we just talked about? Wait, it, so it just, do you believe in the, uh, what are they called? Nan, nano, new? Neutrinos? Of course. Yeah, there's plenty of evidence for them. Okay. What, what is the evidence? Uh, it, it has to do, well, they build big machines and they, there's about, uh, there's this big body of water about half a mile under, underground and they use lots of detectors placed around in like this spherical setup and then they just wait for, little blips blips yeah but like what are they measuring like what are they actually measuring well the, the neutrino how do you track. build a machine to detect something that you don't even know exists no no they do know it exists it well first of all it was well, how did they know it existed in the first place okay yeah so because what i'm understanding is that they discovered it by measuring it but mm-hmm. how could they measure it without building machines to detect it in which case if they were building machines to detect it, they had to know what they were building machines to detect. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it was predicted by theory because there are certain radioactive decay. They would measure this pro, say, say like a neutron would decay into a proton and an electron, right? And there would be a little bit of mass missing or a little bit of energy missing. And they didn't know where that was going. And someone said, maybe it's going into some third thing. So maybe there's something extra that, that comes out. And so it was predicted to come from that. And then they built these, but it was so small that they weren't exactly sure if it, if maybe it, the energy actually was in the proton or the electron. So they built these really sensitive detectors and to, to look for these neutrinos. And then they did find them. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's all it. So in neutrinos versus God, neutrinos win. Neutrinos win. Yeah, definitely. God doesn't even ex- exist. Oh, wait, did I go too quickly with the God thing? I, okay. did, I gave it's it one. All right, let's, we're done. We're done. Wait, I gave it, I gave it five seconds. But uh, yeah, that's the conclusion of the podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Okay, we'll go, we'll, go into well, that was the first episode. What do you think? Email us your comments, questions, and ideas at thesurpluspopulation at gmail.com. Tweet us at surpluspop. Start discussions on our Reddit page at r slash thesurpluspopulation. And check out our show notes in the description or on our website, thesurpluspopulation.com. We look forward to adding you to the surplus population. And remember to keep thinking for yourselves.